Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. Good morning. It's a real pleasure this morning to be able to share the Word of God with you this morning. And um, we live in strange times at the moment. There are so many questions, so many opinions that are being offered. But as believers, it's important that we remember, as the Bible says, that in him we live and move and have our being. And as Christians, we, we're those people that are here to offer the world something different, something of God, something that's not worldly, something that is full of peace and joy and happiness. And this morning I want to share a gospel encounter with you, but more importantly, I want to bring a word of faith to you. I want to fill you with faith this morning. I want you to know, and this is the title of my message, in what you know and what you have. What you know and what you have. And my gospel encounter this morning is when Jesus feeds the 5,000 from the rendering of that in Mark. And interestingly in Mark, it doesn't actually mention any of the disciples by name. But Jesus certainly affected the disciples and he certainly affected 5,000 people around him. I'm not sure if the 5,000 knew where all the bread and fish came from, but the disciples certainly had an encounter with Jesus because of not necessarily because of the miracle, but because of the lessons that he taught them. So if you've got Bibles, let's turn to Mark chapter 6 and I'm going to read from verse 32 to verse 44. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognised them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw the large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like a sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day. So his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said. And it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take more than half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much money on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have? He asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fishes and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and he broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish amongst them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of men who had eaten was 5,000. You know, this account of Jesus, it confirms his desire to serve, to set free and release folk into a greater dimension of liberty and grace. You see, it's interesting. The disciples came to him and said this. This is a remote place, they said. And it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countrysides and villages to buy themselves something to eat. And it's that little phrase there, and buy themselves something to eat. It's a very disingenuous remark. Their attitude seems to be, well, this really isn't our problem. We're hungry. You know, we've had folk all day 
and we've come away to this solitary place and there's still people here you know this is our time this is our this is our time for jesus this is our jesus time but you see jesus had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd and it's interesting we read that and we think that jesus was talking about the folk who had followed him but i think jesus was also talking about the disciples because there was something that he wanted to show them to share with them and i think he understood the attitude of the disciples because he said to them you give them something to eat you and i believe it was a test jesus had already decided what he was going to do he was going to feed them but the disciples' response is quite incredible because immediately they look to the natural. They immediately say, well, it would take half a year's wages. And are we going to spend that much money on these people? In other words, can I do this in my own power? You know, the disciples said, you need money. Can I do this in my own power? And we often do that, don't we? I often do that. You know, I have a situation or something I have to face and we can say, well, I don't earn enough. I'm not clever enough. I could never do something like that. Isn't that what the elders are for? But whatever we do, God wants us to do it in the power of his spirit, in the power of his spirit, not by our own strength. In Zechariah 4, 6, it says, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord by his spirit. So Jesus then goes on to say, well, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. In other words, what's at your disposal? What can I work with? What's in your life that I can work with? And I love the fact that the disciples came back with five loaves and they threw in a couple of fish for good measure. It reminds me of those comedy sketches where somebody can't pay for something and they empty their pockets and present everything that they consider of worldly worth in order to meet the cost. But although Jesus only asked for bread and a couple of fish were thrown in, they were part of the miracle. You see, the fact is, is the Holy Spirit wants to work with us. And we have the Holy Spirit at our disposal. And that is the most incredible truth. He looked to heaven. So he'd got this, this small amount of bread and two fish. And he looked to heaven. And it's important that we do that. That whatever we feel we have, we look to heaven. Because that is where our source comes from. You know, our source is from nowhere else. We may think it is, but folks, let me assure you, it isn't. It's not our job. It's not our savings. It's not our intellect. It's not our position. It's not our family heritage. It's not our standing in the community. He looked to heaven. That word looked, it means he considered. He considered heaven. You know, Jesus prayed this prayer, on earth as it is in heaven. He considered heaven. And what he had, whatever he had, it was plus the Holy Spirit. What little he had or what little we perceive we have, it was plus the Holy Spirit, which is a powerful combination. We should never look at our perceived lack. We should never look at our, the lack of 
charisma we may feel we have or the lack of money or the lack of whatever. We should never look at that because the Holy Spirit is within us. We should never discount ourselves from anything because we perceive that we don't have because the Holy Spirit is within us. He looked to heaven. I'm looking to heaven for God to supply all my needs. And then he broke it. And that's interesting because commentators will tell you that the breaking of bread at the feeding of the 5,000 is all about the Last Supper. Um, theologians or commentators will call it it's a shadow. It's a foretelling. And I, I accept all that. But for the purpose of today, I feel that he broke it because it was the very thing that he had at his disposal. And I know that I, I like bread too much, but I, I, like a, I like a piece of bread that's not been screwed up and broken up. And for me, what it's saying is that Jesus, the very thing that he had, he destroyed it. He broke it up. I know it's symbolic of the fact that he was breaking it because he wanted to share it with everybody, but it wasn't nice when it had all been broken up. And for some of us, we need to break the very thing that we have at our disposal. I'm not going to hang on to the very little thing that I've got. We surrender that which God has given us for his glory. And we mustn't be those that practice siege mentality where we hang on to things. But we want to give God what we've got and mix it with faith. You know, that's why we tithe. Because it shows a fear of the Lord. It shows a reliance on him that money doesn't have a hold on us. They were all satisfied. You know, the, the dictionary definition of satisfied is to fulfill the desires and expectations and needs or demands of a person in their mind or physically in their body and to put an end to a desire, a want or a need by enough ample provision. But you see, only the Lord can truly satisfy. Only the Lord can bring riches without sorrow. In, in Proverbs 10.22, it says, The blessing of the Lord makes rich and adds no sorrow to it. Only the Lord can truly satisfy. Only the Lord can add something to your life with no cost or consequence. And the question is, are you satisfied this morning? Are there desires, expectations, needs or demands in your life this morning that you need to fulfill? Because only the Lord can truly fill them and truly satisfy you. There's a great verse in Matthew uh, 6, 32, which says, For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. There was a lot left over. You know, when God blesses you, it enables you to become a blessing. There's a sowing and reaping principle here, but I think it goes much further than that. Because from our blessings, we can bless others. And I believe that's why God wants to bless people. It's nothing to do with making them people of wealth or uh, means or whatever, or having loads of stuff. I believe that God wants to bless people because he wants them to be a blessing. There was lots left over. 
Another scripture I'd like to use as an example of this is we find in Acts chapter 3, verses 1 to 8. And for the sake of time, I won't go through it. I won't read it out, but please follow it up in your Bibles later. But it's when Peter heals the crippled beggar at the gate, beautiful. You know, there's this lame beggar and every day he goes through this ritual of being left by the temple gate, begging for money. He has no vision, no game plan. No strategy, really. No forward planning in his life. Just that he wants to get enough money every day to live, to go day by day. And he sees Peter and John coming towards him. And he declares in in his heart, he must have thought, I've not seen these guys before. I might get some money from them. But Peter and John had already seen him because the scripture says that they stared intently at him. They didn't have enough means or silver and gold as the scripture says to set this guy free from his situation they ha- they didn't have enough money they couldn't give him enough money to give him a nice home and servants and an inexhaustible amounts of food and supplies but the scripture says this that what peter and john did have was the power of christ within them and it says here it says i don't have silver or gold but what I have you in the what I have in the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, get up and walk. And he walked. He walked. And I'm constantly challenged by a scripture at the moment in my life, which is Ephesians 1, verse 19 to 20, which says this, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation. I also pray that you understand the incredible greatness of God's power in us who believe. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honour at God's right hand in heavenly realms. That's incredible. And if I read in the New International Version, it says it this way, it puts it, it renders it another way. It says, his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. You know, as believers, we're filled with the Holy Spirit. We all have this, whether we believe it or not, because the Spirit of Christ came into us when we believed. And the simple truth is, whatever we face, we have the Spirit of Christ within us. We have the Spirit of God within us, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. (laughs) Think about that, folks. Think about the ramifications of that. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in me and lives in you. And this is what I have. And this is my, coming back to the title of the message, this is what I have. This is what I have in me. The same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead. You have in you this morning the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead. And some of you are thinking, You have the same spirit. And let me just go on to say something else. The great thing is that you don't have to understand something to have it, to know it, to have it work within us. You know, I've got a smartphone. I'm using it now. And my children constantly tell me that I don't understand it. Uh, My children constantly tell me that I don't get the best out of it. It could do this, Dad. It can do that, Dad. It can do this, Dad. And really, all I want it to do is make phone calls and send texts and receive emails. But it can do so much more. But it works and I use it. I benefit from all that it has to offer without really knowing how it works. 
I know that I can pick it up, I can dial a number on the other side of the planet and it will connect and it works. How? No idea. I'm not certain how God can fill me with his spirit, how the same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells within me, lives within me, but it does. And really that's all I need to know. Yes, it is good to explore the scripture and develop our knowledge of knowledge and understanding of the word. But we can't wait, folks, until we understand everything before we move in God. Because if we waited till then, it'd be too late. We'd be with him. <laughs> and this is faith. Knowing what I know and moving in faith by the word of God. That's what God has for us this morning. You know, you may feel this morning that you've only got a couple of fish to give to God. But with the power of the Spirit of Christ within us, you can take mountains. Because what we have, plus the Holy Spirit, is a powerful combination. And it's interesting what I know. See, that's what I have, but what do I know? What do you know this morning about God? You know, sometimes, I'll let you into a secret, sometimes I feel totally intimidated by my knowledge of him. I'm surrounded by some very knowledgeable brothers who all have letters after their name. And I've only got a BSc, a bronze swimming certificate. But I was brought up um, as a Christian in my Christian faith in my early days, never to assume anything, always to support my belief with scripture and with good sound doctrine. And that's been very good and it's very wise and it's very important. And I, I need to, and I, I want to publicly thank Stefan Ruig for that, because when he discipled me as a young man of God, that was Stefan's biggest thing for me was know what the scripture says. Never just assume or make an opinion about something. But sometimes it's more important to move and expand our experience of God in our lives without totally understanding all the hows and whys and the wherefores because in reality we'll never totally understand all the mysteries of God. This doesn't mean as it says in Hebrews 13 that we go off in every wind of doctrine and you know we subscribe to everything that tickles our fancy. That's not what we're saying. But let me put it another way. Let me explain it another way. There's a great him which was written by a chap called William Young Fullerton and he was a Baptist minister in Northern Ireland hundreds of years ago <clears throat> and he was a man greatly influenced by his friend and mentor Charles Spurgeon and he wrote a hymn called I Cannot Tell and each verse follows the same journey from a near incomprehension to a declaration of faith. Each verse acknowledges that he cannot understand fully the way in which God works and that it's almost impossible to relate to what God is doing in our lives. But nevertheless, as Fullerton went on to write, he said, there are things we wish to proclaim out of faith and each time we proclaim them, we move from questioning to proclamation. The second verse of this hymn is my favourite verse. 
And it goes like this. It says, I cannot tell how silently he suffered or as with his peace, he graced this place of tears, nor how his heart upon the cross was broken, the crown of pain for three and 30 years. And there's some big questions there. You know, we can't tell how silently he suffered. I don't understand how the grace of God could fill this place of sadness and yet God came and I certainly don't understand how his heart was broken on the cross when he hung there for us that he carried a crown of pain for many years in our reading at the start it says that he looked upon the crowds and he had compassion on them but then the second part of the verse says this but this I know he heals the brokenhearted and stays our sins and calms our lurking fears and lifts the burden from the heavy laden for still the saviour, the saviour of the world is here. And it's almost like there are so many things we don't understand about God, but because of the spirit of Christ living within us, we know the result of it. I don't understand how God made the world in seven days. I, or how or why, Jesus stepped down from glory to save mankind, and he would have done it even if it was for me. I don't understand how he could send the Holy Spirit to empower me with the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. That this Holy Spirit empowers me to give me all that heaven has to offer that I've already passed from death to life what does that mean that I won't experience death with this earthly body but when I die I'll be with him what does all that mean you know we could speak for hours on that but I know this I know that by the power of his word, everything came into being. That God himself, Jesus himself, did not um, expect equality with God, something to be grasped. But he emptied himself and took on the nature of a servant and stepped into our earth. He sent a comforter, the Holy Spirit, his very nature to fill me with all the power and attributes of his divine presence. I can move in the same spiritual authority as Jesus with signs and wonders. <laughs> and my life is hidden with him. My life means being like Jesus. Death is defeated. I am a new creation in Christ. The old is gone. And as the authorised says, behold, the new has come. It's time to proclaim, folks, what we know and it's time to use what we have. Knowing the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God, can empower us in all our activities. Be encouraged. You may not know everything this morning. You may not have all the answers, and I certainly don't, but I do know some stuff about God. You may feel that you lack in certain areas, but when we look to him, <clears throat> when we look to heaven and surrender all that we have to him and don't try to do it in our own strength we have an abundance 
we may need to break some things in our lives this morning. We may need to not hold on to things as tightly as we have been because we feel that it's all we've got. But we have so much more. Be satisfied this morning. God can fill all your desires and all your needs. Be a blessing. Be blessed because God wants you to bless others. And go into this week knowing that you lack nothing and proclaim what you know and share what you have because God is good. You know, this morning you may have listened to my words and you may not know who Jesus Christ is. And at the, I'm sure at the bottom of the screen now there's a contact uh, email to get in touch with us. But I would implore you this morning that God wants to be the centre of your life and he wants to change your life and make you more like him. So be blessed. Have a great week and go in the power, the strength and the knowledge of God because you are his servants and you are filled with his mighty power, the same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching 